Thank you for listening to the Power Shift Mindset. We'll be discussing techniques, concepts, and strategies to help you achieve the success and happiness you're looking for. Hey guys, it's Coach Jay, and this week I'm solo. Shruti is out uh, this week. So I have a good friend of mine, Rita, here. Um, I've known Rita for years. We met doing photo shoots years ago, and we're going to talk about mindset and how life tires to knock you down. So Rita, I've known you for years. Um, life has just taken us away from each other, brought us back to each other. Um, we've reconnected numerous times over the years, and now we're a good two, three years uh, back connected with each other, a lot through music and the arts and stuff like that. Um, let people know uh, a little bit about your background and, and what brought you here. Well, has it been two, three years already? Wow. Yeah, co you forget, COVID makes us, there were two yeah. years that went away in a blink of an eye. Very true. Um, so my background, my history, I've been all, I've been everywhere, man. That's what I say all the time, but that's not an easy, easy uh, description for me. However, you know, I'm a mom, recently technically single mom, divorced, trying like heck to stay afloat just like everyone else. Struggle with, you know, life's changes before and after the pandemic um, because my, I had my own pandemics going on. But, um, you know, my survival, healing, all that stuff that you swear is eventually going to stop and go away about learning myself over and over kind of thing, you know. Trying to build my business for everyone else to become a part of it. That's my healing process, which, you know, is all the arts and all that, so... I guess that's the only way I really can answer that. Yeah, I know you have a, a, a lot of different hats that you wear. Yeah. Um, like you said, your, your business, um, you like to support local artists in any form, whether it be music, and graphic arts, drawing, that type of art, uh, performance yeah. of any sort. Um, I'm at the, the open jams that you have, um, love yes. doing that. So how has art and music helped you cope with and the troubles you go through with. I mean, we're, we're sitting here, um, this is usually when Shruti and I record, we're doing it over Zoom. Most of the recordings have been over Zoom. In this case, Rita is here in my, my home studio and we sit with and all my guitars and music equipment and basses and stuff like that. And I know I use this room to get away when I, when I need my mind off something. And I've, I've kind of joked that if I'm in an angry mood, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm playing Iron Maiden if I'm in that quiet mood doesn't mean I'm necessarily going and putting James Taylor on. I could be in the most peaceful mood playing Iron Maiden and the most angry mood putting Cat Stevens on. And sure. how, how has arts and music and that type of stuff helped you keep a level head when, when you're struggling emotionally or mentally? It's, it's kind of ironic uh, that you just asked that question because I just realized on the way here, I have been in my car whenever I drive or whenever I'm in the car with no music on for the first time in my life for the past two and a half years. And someone commented on it the other day. It was just today that I was playing on the music and I felt great. But for whatever reason, I needed that peaceful time. <clears throat> Ever since I was a kid, music has been like the narration of everything because I come from, I came from a very great childhood that turned into a very traumatic childhood quickly. Um, the way that I remember it, obviously. Everyone else has their own versions of it, but um, it was torturous to me, but I was, my mother always played music. It was constantly in the kitchen, so kind of like when you watched Wonder Years, it always felt like I had that narration through music. So growing up, you know, I connected with that. Um, every song had a deep, deep meaning. I couldn't, 
emotionally regulate myself if there was music playing because that was in control of my, my body that way, my soul that way. Um, and the damage to my vocal cords, so I couldn't actually actively sing and be a part of all that. So everything else I did was therapeutic. So gosh, I did everything from dance to painting to drawing, you know, I've even dabbled in tattooing, you know, all kinds of different stuff. So healing, I guess, healing is what it is for me. It's a, it's definitely therapeutic for a lack of better, better word, I think. So the interview that I was referring to is, um, was a baby. Not, um, sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. A little technical difficulties. The, so, um, the experiment was a, a child, literally an infant, and the mother was, was still looking at the baby, and the baby was happy and interacting. And then when the baby would try to get her attention, she would look away and stimulate someone else, and the baby was confused. And then at some point, they had the mother shut down entirely. The baby could not function. It, it could, like, vibe off that those feelings of, of lack thereof anyways. And I think it's the same thing that we do with music, art, whatever we do in that way. We need that stimulation. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, we see quotes all the time, and I know, I mean, musically, just on the, the music and the tones of the music, I mean, we all know what we need in a certain spot. And then lyrically, if you know you're in a, a certain mood, um, we've all put music quotes. I mean, I checked on you just the other day mm -hmm. because you had a quote up there that it, it was an attention-grabbing quote. It was a doozy, and, I and, found. <laughs> yeah, and, and a couple people. One of my favorite ones to put up there is Why Does It Hurt When I Pee by Frank Zappa. And if you don't put that it's a quote by Frank Zappa, you'd be amazed at the uh, responses I get to that one. And yours was one that... And to, something not to take lightly because if someone looked at it not realizing it was lyrics and I know you put lyrics up there but I'm okay. never going to not check on you of course. it did have a a suicidal ring to it and, and I did not see that at all and, and I almost did an apology post but I'm so against that when it's your media you know but I did understand at that point, you know, my sister passed away and I still to this day swear something happened to her because there's no way it was suicide, you know what I mean? Um, and it it wasn't intentionally insensitive, but I couldn't be mad for people checking out of my phone was <laughs> blown up like crazy. But at first, to get into the mindset that I was saying, my whole mindset is different because there would have been a time where I would have been angry because everybody should know better. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What does anybody else have to do with me and my, you know, my page and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, I always do that or whatever, but that's not how I looked at it this time. You know, this time I was one of those people that I say, uh, like the uh, public apologies from celebrities and stuff like that. I find, used to find it so, you know, it was, I don't know, imposing of some sort, but I saw it differently. Well, celebrities, I mean, we know uh, sometimes celebrities apologize because it's sincere other times they yeah. do it because they, they need the the pr correction mm -hmm. um yeah. but it, in terms like that like you said in some cases years ago you might have thought i mean don't worry about me i'm i'm me i'm not i don't need to answer to anyone but right. there's other times now where you're like wow i have a lot of people that look out for me and that's a different mindset now than you yeah. would have had years ago well, it goes back to like when we first reconnected again. I was like, I always complain about, you know, my friends are never there or this, that, and the other. And then I'm like, well, I'm a bad friend. I'm not there for the ones that want to be there for me or what we went through that for. That was a long conversation we had that day. But 
I, you know, trying to be more conscientious of the relationships that I actually do have instead of worrying so much about the ones that I think I have, I guess is the best way to put it. You know? Well, I mean, I remember like all the social media apps interact and they all go by your contacts. So whether we're on Facebook, off Facebook, Instagram, any of these things, and, and at one point it said, hey, basically you two need to reconnect. And whatever yeah. we reconnected, I, I went to... The, your studio for the open jam and I have the angel coins that I, I brought yeah. you that and, and a card because I knew you were going something and we had just literally just reconnected I think we had a, a phone conversation before seeing each other that night and when I gave you the card and the coin and I'm a hugger and you're a hugger you gave me the biggest hug you said I needed this right now how so whatever whatever being you look up to right. uh, whether it's your your spiritual beliefs your religious beliefs whatever something brought us back together at that time because we both needed it. Absolutely, absolutely. And I've been finding that happening a lot to me. And then I wonder, is it, has it always been happening? I just didn't, wasn't mindful or connected to those moments because when you're so focused on whatever it is you're focusing on, you know, for me, I was, I was becoming a workaholic so that I could now I see that it was so that I could get through my healing quicker rather than go through the motions of it, you know. But you miss those things. And has, has it always been there? You know, are there always those moments with in, interactions with people that I overlook because either they're not that important to me or I am just too busy or whatever the case may be, you know. They say you see the signs, but the, what screws us up most in life is the way we expect it to be. Yeah, well, there, there's a lot of times we don't see the sign. I mean, I know I've heard the story, and I, and I don't, it's not a, a biblical story, but it's connected to that where there's someone drowning, and a guy in a little tube comes by and says, hey, do you need help? He's like, no, God's going to save me. And then the guy comes by in a bow and says, hey, you need help? No, God's going to save me. And then a, a cruise ship comes by, no, God's going to save me. And next thing you know, he's hey, God, what's going on? And he says, well, I sent you a guy in a raft. I sent you a guy in a boat. I said, you didn't want to jump on it. And it's because we're looking for this giant thing and not, and we're missing the little things. And, and it happens a lot with stuff like that, where sometimes yeah. we overlook what's right in front of us. Absolutely. I've, in fact, I told you that story. Uh, I know. I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've heard that one a few times. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure you, you've told me that one. Um, yeah. I know a lot of quotes, one that I just saw, um, and for those of you that have Instagram, they have the reels where you can take the audio and and put your own video or photos yeah. over it. And one that I just saw recently that really hit me hard, um, I've mentioned it many times, that I had a stent put in a little over a year ago, which woke me up. It expedited my order to get out of the shop um, and do what I love with coaching and stuff like that. Uh, and it said, everyone has two lives. Your second life begins when you realize you only have one. And that one hit me hard, where yeah. it's like, I, I use my father and my uncle as an example, and both of them have health issues. My father's had four heart attacks. I gotta give him credit for where I had my heart issue from. So four heart attacks, pacemaker, defibrillator, triple bypass, re knee replaced, hip replaced, but he worked his whole life. I mean, retired a full bird colonel from the military, so he's got his pension, he's got his health care benefits. My uncle, currently, who gave me my love of music, is in stage four prostate cancer. He's got 
nothing. He's got no safety net. He worked in the art field. He made stretchers for artists. He has million-dollar paintings on his on his frames. He's traveled the world. He's played music in Europe, played music in Costa Rica, has sailed to Cuba. He's done all these exciting things. Who set their lives up better? Did my father work himself to near death, and now he has just a little bit of time to enjoy it? Did my uncle enjoy life too much, but now he's got no safety net to care for himself on the back end? What's the proper way to, to do it? And Ugh. And it's like... Maybe if we all heard that quote of you, you have two lives, your second one begins when you realize you only have one. Does my father get out of the military a little earlier? Does my uncle prepare for the future a little earlier? I mean, it's, well, I mean hindsight's I mean, it's always twenty twenty. I mean, it's, it's, it's balance, right? It's definitely balance. I can relate to both of those, your uncle and your father, right? So I'm a workaholic. I drew myself into four titanium rods, you know, and I'm still at work. I'm not supposed to be at work. You know what I mean? But I have to provide for the life that my children expect and that I expect. Um, can it can it be different? Maybe, maybe not. I need to get to the other side of what I'm trying to do. You know, there's so much more to it for me. But that's my fulfilling nature, right? So if I'm being the best parent I can be and if I'm, you know, and everybody says I need to take help and I need to, you know, not do everything on my own and things like that. But for me, that's fulfilling because of where it's come from, right? So, I don't know. I think of it like with, you know, my, my son that passed away. I used to always say, well, geez, I, you know, he was a baby. So is it harder for me because he didn't have a life yet? Or what if he was older? And then when K4 passed away, it was the complete opposite. And I was like, the grass is it greener on the other side. Now I have all these memories. It's just the same equal pain. So for me, it's like, you know, to answer that question and relating it to all the opposites and that I've been through myself. Today, I find, and by today, I mean it's been a week since I've had this life revelation. So how long I'll keep up with it, I'm not sure. I'm hoping, you know, that it is that corner where I find that balance. But I think it has to be a little bit of both. But you have to know what that one life is. Like, you know what I mean? Like what, you, what does it mean to know that you have one life? What does it mean for you? Well, you mentioned it's been a week since you had this revelation. And, and you and I have been talking about having you on the podcast for a while. Yeah. And, and we both have busy schedules. I mean, like you said, you have multiple jobs. You have your own printing business. You, you work as a bartender. You run the, the art studio. Um, yeah. So you're, you're constantly running around. I'm running around with my personal training, yeah. with my archery lessons, coaching my teams. And so our schedules are so random where all of a sudden the other day uh, I checked on you uh, when you put that quote up and you said, hey, I'm ready to do the show. And just like that, 72 hours later, you're sitting here doing it. So for, for some reason right now you said, I need to make that happen. And even today, and my family just got back from an archery tournament. I was texting you, so is 6.30 going to work? You're like, nope, but I'm going to make it happen tonight. Yeah. I'm going to be about an hour late. And sure enough, you're here. You're doing it. So for something yeah. told you, it's time for you to do this. I've got to tell you, actually, I just uh, there's a couple things I want to make note on that. Um, what I was doing earlier, after all that, the gentleman didn't come to pick up his order. So I was like, oh, but I needed that. Because the reason that I made it here today, the reason that I said that is there was no one revelation. There was no thought process. Like we all go through these big revelating moments where we come to a conclusion on something. That didn't happen for me. I literally had a physical slip and fall. And a whole bunch of nonsense 
like like no thoughts of all the epiphanies I could possibly like I literally got knocked sense into so you know to identify it and stuff like that you know it's I don't want to use the term near-death experience but you know how people have those and they're like got this light and this epiphany but they just don't know whatever what? similar but in a way that I need to be a better person so kind of I guess when you figure out that one life whatever the case may be I don't know. Well, how to I, I know you don't want to say near death experience, and I did not have a heart attack. I quote unquote only had a stent put in. I did 99.9% blockage. When I left the shop that day, if I picked up a 40 pound pan above my head to dump another pan of screws into the machine before I left, yep. technically speaking, with that much of a blockage, I could have been gone in the back of the machine. Yeah. So, as much as I didn't have the near death experience, yeah, I was I was pretty much near and I mean but it's the same, right? well, well here's the thing. Describe your back to people. So what's okay. in your what's in your back right now? So that, that's what I was just thinking of when you were saying that. So I guess I'm listening now more than I ever have to to everything around me. And that and it's because of that. So if I had to identify it, I get the four titanium rods from nearly the top, maybe three vertebrae down is all I have. Right, right below your neck. Right below my neck, all the way down to into my pelvic bone. So four titanium rods and a, a, a titanium cage in the front. Um, I've got like double, triple screws all the way down every single uh, bone from top to bottom as well. And then two, like four inch screws holding my pelvic bones in place. Right. So when you say you don't want to use near-death experience, <laughs> I, I think you qualify to use that saying. So I, I have mean, fallen. Kind of, yeah, it's kind of like at the tournament today. I don't want to blame the wind, but it was <laughs> legitimate today. It's like you don't want to say that because it sounds cliche, but yeah. you you were legitimately and technically still are legitimately yeah. there. And I was really uh, out of it. And, you know, I've had concussions before. You know, I've been, I'm an athlete. I'm just... I was a tomboy, you know. I've had two, so I know the feeling. So I've had concussions, but this was so different. This was like, uh, maybe it would have been like a TBI, I guess. I'm, I'm not sure I didn't go to the doctor. So at the time, I just was so spacey and terrified my son. And to see my teenager, my video gaming, quote-unquote irresponsible, you know, don't want to grow up, puff and puff and boy, just man up and take care of me and take it serious. I'd, I was unconscious and my body didn't know it, so I kept getting up and trying to do what I was doing. So I kept falling, you know. So I think, like, I just remember I couldn't talk. I was, like, spacing. I just kept looking at him, thinking that, you know. And that's when I realized that it was a very serious situation. And now that I've gotten a little bit better I, and I have this bone sticking out, the x-rays are fine, but I know something's wrong. I could have been paralyzed from the neck down. I could have been dead. Anything could have happened that I'm very grateful didn't, I guess, you know. Um, but the very next day, I rested, and the very next day, I had the blues competition. So to go back to this balance of things, music is the most important thing to me. And some, I was at a friend's studio, and his girlfriend asked me, she goes, so I hear you have many hats. Let me ask you a question. If you had to choose just one for the rest of your life, what would it be? And I was like, ooh. That's a hard question, because as you know, they all go together for me. But at the end of the day, if I don't, ha if I had to close everything and keep one thing, it would be the music studio, you know. Well, I, I mean, and that's it. You, you know me. I mean, obviously from the music side, but you also know me from the coaching side, and yeah. and I love 
both. I mean, I'm I'm the band geek and the jock. I, I do both. I mean, I have my circle of friends that are purely my musician friends, my circle of friends that are purely my athlete friends, yeah. and then there's a very small pocket, three, four, five, that do both. I mean, but you usually see one or the other. Oh, yeah. And I've always said that, you know, if I had to lose one, being able to play sports or play music, which one would it be? And not that I would want to lose the athlete side of me, but I would want to definitely keep the music side of me. It's yeah. kind of like if you went blind or deaf, which one would you rather be? It's like so, I'd almost rather be blind because at least I can still hear music and, and not yeah. to take that or say it's it's the less of the two evils, but it's for yeah, you. Mu- music is, it, it would be tough for me not to have music in my life. You know, and I think, and, and so I went, it was probably, you know, most people would say that would be an unhealthy decision, but it wasn't for me. I was physically well enough to go, and I had never felt so great. Um, It was like I was walking on a cloud. I needed that. I did my best performance ever, you know. And to go back to, you know, you were saying the first question you asked me about art and music and how it's, you know, affected my life in that way. That is the healing part for me. So I am fully aware of putting myself on stage before I was ready to be in public like that. Um, before I was even ready, I had broken vocal cords. I mean, listen to me now with my allergies. I gotta sing in a week. You know what I mean? Like, so that alone was terrifying. So that was a part of healing from my PTSD. You know, I never considered myself the victim, but I've always been one to like force the extra. Like, I'd rather grieve all at once and get it over with and be in pain severely for a couple of days than how healthy people do it, quote unquote, you know, as they go. So I put myself out there. You know, for the stage fright issues, everything I have, doing it was healing me. Does that make sense? Oh, no, I I agree 100%. You mentioned, were you healthy enough to do that? And I'm going to take the two years of COVID. We were so worried about everyone's physical health. We disregarded everyone's mental, emotional, psychological health and shoved them in their house and said, you can't leave. You can't do anything. Stare at these same four walls. So were you healthy enough? Well, right now... Yeah, maybe your body was only at 70% and you put your physical body at risk, but would you skip it at the expense of your mental and emotional health? Maybe your emotional health was at 60% and you needed to do that to bring that up to 80%. And so when when we're talking health, and I, I mentioned the health tripod, I use that analogy all the time, physical, mental, emotional. You could be healthy as an ox physically, but if that emotional leg is weakened, the tripod's gonna fall over. All three of them need to be, and if we use, let's say that 75% is what makes it stable, and if one leg goes below that, so maybe that emotional leg was dipping into 65%, and that's and you needed to go there. Yes, at the possible expense of the physical health, but you needed to at least try to bring that other leg up. Yeah, so it, it makes me think a lot of, you know, I live my life with dialectical behavior therapy is like, my brain is like a group home for for it. You know, and it all reflects, and it's basically like my Bible of how to function. And that's being aware of that is the first part of it, right? So, for mental health, because like you were saying, but through the pandemic, that's why I had to do that big, I think I did a 20 band weekend music festival live stream, and that was what broke it. You know, coincidentally, the week later, they stopped the pandemic shutdown. So, we were kind of like, yay, see, you know, the power of music or whatever. And, uh, but that is, was what I needed we couldn't take it anymore you know um live music and all that stimulation and interaction it's fine so same thing I'm sitting in my house resting as I'm supposed to be 
but I knew if I did it for one more day, it would tip the bar into possible depression. So and being aware of what that means for me is, 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 you know, preventing that tip from the tripod, right? But you have to know that stuff for yourself and not ignore those things. Well, as, as you're mentioning that, you're using your hands like a, a, a level scale and um, you mentioned balance earlier. Yeah. And when I was talking, um, someone asked me a while back, and I've mentioned this on the podcast, and what's the meaning of life? And I look at the text at like 10 o'clock. I'm like, wow, that's a pretty deep question. And put the phone down. I woke up at 2 in the morning, went to use the bathroom, and while I was in the Oval Office, literally thumbed out a like 10-paragraph answer to it. And, and I've used it many times. It's It's been put on YouTube. I have a, a version of me reading it. I've said it. And I had my father watch the video of it, and I had mentioned one time talking to my sister who's 19 years younger. I'm like, well, Dad's done this, Uncle Jeff's done this. I'm trying to go down the middle, and my father just shrugs, shrugs his shoulders and goes, you know what, he's probably right. I mean, so even now, after everything was done, he's realized, you know what, maybe I did work a little harder. Where I've never really talked to my uncle about it. Would he have traded anything? You know, maybe he would have traded one or two notches just to have a little bit of a safety net, and that yeah. balance is is big and sometimes it takes a long time I mean when we talk about and we won't go deep into it but we talk about the school system and all the things we learn we don't learn about balancing our health we don't I mean PE is not how to eat nutrition and how to exercise it's you go play volleyball you go play gym it's not really physical education and maybe if we put I mean, life skills and and we've always had that life skills thing but what was life skills it was home ec it was cooking and sewing i mean yeah again how i mean obviously we need to cook every day but and some in some form that education aspect needs to be put in there and and how do we get that in there so people can realize that tripod and that balance earlier in life and not when they have their near-death experience well, I think, I don't know if I told you, I did, I told you about my summer program that I was putting together, and it was kind of der- driven from the DBT and mixed with the art. So it was DBT and BPS. Um, and I uh, found, was it preschool? My son's preschool. They have this um, check-in on the wall of, of why, what they're doing in class. Uh Basically, it was DBT, but they didn't know what DBT was then. It was new when I first moved down here. So when I had taken the class and didn't get certified in that, was just for my own. So you want to explain to listeners what that is? What the DBT is, the dialectical behavior therapy is um, basically shutting down your autopilot and take the brain has, has two, you know, rational and emotional. And there's this tiny little sliver. It's kind of like what you're talking about, where you go down this way, this way, or the tiny path in the middle. Mm. Um to be clear-minded and make clear-minded, healthy, wholesome decisions, you have to be able to to pull 50% of whatever it is you're dealing with from each side. And that gives you clear-minded thinking, which most people have a really hard time doing for many different reasons. Well, it's kind of like the heart doesn't think enough, the brain overthinks it. Right. Go with your gut. Right. So, But that's autopilot, and that's what we're training. So right. DBT kind of takes gives you back the control. And I always picture like... I think it was in a music video, but it was a human, but uh, the alien was driving it inside the brain, you know, and that's what it is. And it it was hard for me to learn it when I was in school for it. And what we did was it was a a homework challenge was, where's my thinking time, right? Because I'd be driving and I'd be like, oh, I'm home. I don't have any recollection on how I got home because you're not absorbing what you're looking at because you take the same route every day, yada, yada, yada. 
So, but my thinking time was in the shower. So I would always yell out, write this down, call so-and-so, I remember this, whatever. So I had to take the time that my brain autopiloted and, and absorbed everything and shut it off. So by doing so, they have you say uh, every last step you do out loud. It's a lot harder than you think because it's like, I am reaching for the soap. I am now pulling the soap back. I am opening the soap. I am now pouring the soap. Like to do that out loud, you end up missing steps. You got to start over. And it's really, really unreal because you then after you master that, you apply it to your life. So for a while you're walking around doing all that out loud and then you do it kind of inside and you absorb and value so much more that way. Um, and I try to like over preach it to everybody, but I get annoying sometimes, but it's so beautiful. And then when you're able to do that, you know, you do have more of an emotional regulation. So you are able to decide what part of your emotional or your rational mind you are using. You know, and that's just the brink of it. There's a there's a pattern of awareness. You know, being aware of, uh, you know, what is your your stressors and stuff like that, because you have to do distress tolerance, as well as awareness, and then emotion regulation, and then you've got to blend them together after you separate them all. It's bizarre. It's a really, I mean, it's very informative and it's it's a great thing, but there's so many layers to it that even though I think I've got it all figured out, I, like I just said, it's like, oof, I'm not even practicing what I'm preaching at this point because I'm back in autopilot and I didn't realize it. You know, I'm just autopiloting what I was discussing and teaching, you know? So it's a constant thing that we have to do. The, the brain is a muscle, you know, it's not going to ever, if it's in autopilot, then you're not using your brain, I guess. Right. right? Yeah. There's, I mean, when you mention it, it's a muscle. I mean, and you talk about that with, with anything. Obviously, if you stop using your muscles, you, you atrophy, you go back. And that's, that's where, I mean, you mentioned using your brain, whether it be reading, I mean, something as, as simple as playing a chess game three times a week. I mean, it's, it's using your brain. It's making your yeah. brain troubleshoot. And, and, and obviously, we troubleshoot all the time. I mean, simply, even though we're on autopilot, our brain is calculating how to walk downstairs so we don't trip over ourselves. I mean, so we're always using our brain, but to go a little extra and, like I said, play that chess game, do some reading, do and doing a puzzle. I mean, something as simple as like that, where it's just that little extra challenge yeah. does make a difference. Well, the reason that I, I, I started Beautiful People Society is, and it's called that for the beautiful mind, right? So my children are severely ADHD. Pretty sure I am. It's been very clear that I have. I'm an octopus and I have to do all these different things, but you know, that brain works a little bit differently, right? So to the autopilot brain for someone that doesn't have you know, a beautiful mind, I'll say, because I hate the negative terms um, for these kinds of disorders. But so for the beautiful mind versus, uh, you know, uh, a, an autopilot brain that doesn't have those differences, I think it's, it's, it's drastically different because for ADHD, for example, your brain is going so fast without the autopilot that it's skipping over the common sense things that could be making you less of your own enemy, right? Um, and that's not happening in the autopilot to the to the other person's brain. So, for example, you said walking, right? So for someone with ADHD, they're skipping over that in general, so they're clumsy all the time. They're, you know, my poor kitty's, I told you, he's bashed his head a gazillion times. And I've mentioned, uh, I mean, my son's taken a nosedive numerous times. It's like he trips over a shadow or over the carpet that doesn't even have a lifted edge. And 
we it's gotten to the point where it's like eh, that's just him where it's normal and and I know a lot of times like you said you don't like to use the negative route of like using ADHD Titles, yeah. I mean ADHD everyone knows it as a temp attention deficit with hyperactivity disorder yeah. and everything's a disorder again negative com- connotation right. right off the bat we don't talk about how people with ADHD can also hyper focus on something mm-hmm. and both of my kids have ADHD one of them it's more the attention more the quote-unquote scatterbrain aspect the other one is an absolute emphasis on the age and there is no mute button but at the same time when you watch him shoot his bow you see how focused he is when you see him or listen to him play his trumpet you see how focused he is with it it's it's amazing what people like this can do. Um, I don't know all the ins and outs of autism, but I've coached athletes with autism. That, and unfortunately, when you're in that in, in a rec league and you have the U8, U10 coach, they, they put the, the poor kid with autism in right field and hope the ball never gets hit to him. So he's looking at butterflies and picking up grass. Not me. I put him at first base. I said, here, you catch every ball that they throw good to you. If it's over your head, it's not your fault. If it's in the dirt, it's not your fault. Just do the simple task well and we'll go from there next thing you know the kid's pitching for me and he's doing a fantastic job so when you have that person that's going to support him show him that same thing the the positive aspect will snowball you just give them that little bit of a push and they're going to start moving and get that momentum going yeah and and unfortunately we always look at the negative this is oh this is how we cure it this how, how about this is how we use its strength. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with my son, right? That's what I keep telling them. There's nothing wrong with you. He's got a 504. But now he uses it as a crutch because there's no connected piece with, you know, the staff to say, okay, so this is a 504, for example, is to help you get through the time while you learn better skills that work for you. That's the part that's missing, which is part of the reason why I really want this summer program, the, 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 the kids' version of everything, to take off because that's what we're doing. We're telling these kids that it's not a handicap, it's their superpowers, right? And they gotta hone it in and they've gotta use it to their advantage. Just like you were saying, and I think that's what I hope to do. I hope to change that, you know, that with my movement for that. Because it just takes a second to explain it differently. Or, you know, I'm super visual. When I tell stories, my details are ridiculous because I have to visualize for my brain to process and absorb what you're telling me. You know, you can tell me to go over there and put that together and this is how but I'd rather watch you do it first <laughs> which is crazy but you know it's 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 an imprint of how my children's brain is working my daughter when she was in high school she had an essay to do she could not do it she freaked out and I'd never seen her because she wasn't diagnosed right but so I, until this moment she called me she was panicking staring at the blank page this is that and I said well tell me what it is and to me it seemed so simple but she just saw, oh, I have to do all these things that really weren't that big of a deal. So I said, break it down into three things. You gotta put your name on the paper. You've already accomplished that. You've gotta pick a title. Oh, she goes, that's easy. Right, what's your topic? Boom, there's her title. And I go, now you just gotta talk about the words you just wrote. You know, explain those words. And she was like, are you kidding me? She hung up, she's like, I did it in a half an hour. She stared at the paper for two hours. You know, so, breaking things down that way and doing it you know one step at a time versus all of it as a whole is what immediately irregulates the emotion you know well like you said sometimes we make it too complicated and i'm just going to take the archery step i mean i get people that find me and they're like oh i thought it would be something neat to try i'm going to try shooting a bow 
and it's simple. Okay, put the arrow here, pull the string back, let it go. Three steps. Knock the arrow, pull the string back, let it go. That's that's the simplest form we can make it. Well, when we go with the, the, the steps, the NTS steps, it's 11 steps everywhere from stance. Well, obviously I'm gonna stand there down to feedback. After you take the shot, the 11th step is feedback. Okay, how did that feel? How did I do this? Well, when I went for my level three, those 11 steps were then subdivided into 137 steps. So the way we need to do this is here. This is a three-step act. Knock the arrow, pull the string back, let it go. Once we master those three, now I can subdivide one of those steps and then right. make, make each step two parts and then, because like, even stance, okay, it's just stand there. No, it's stand there with this foot at 15 degrees, this one at 30 degrees, this one with this percentage on your heel, this percentage on your toes. And there's so many different things that we overcomplicate it sometimes. And oh, yeah. I think going with that basic thing, and then as we advance, we can then subdivide and, and then micro-tune different aspects of what right. we're doing. Yep, absolutely. Just like when you were saying, uh, you know, you're stimulating your brain. I was thinking even to just as simple as thinking. You know, especially the younger generation. Nobody's even thinking anymore. They don't have to. You know, everything's autocorrected in the phones. Everything's Google. You can just Google everything. Nobody actually. So I did that with the kids the other day. Like, you know, I asked my son, well, he's like, I can't do this. I'm like, why? I don't know. I don't know is not an answer. Don't you remember when our parents said, I don't know, is never an answer. It's been so accustomed to people now to just go figure it out that way that nobody's thinking or using their brains I couldn't even if, if I got stuck and I had no phone I could not call you Jay but Chris gets mad at me all the time he's like how do you not know my phone number it's the easiest phone number. I'm like I just I don't look at it and I don't try to think of it you, you know you can probably remember your your best friend your childhood friend's phone number no but my grandmother's <laughs> and my grandmother's it's I get oh god Seven eight one five nine three zero one four nine. Right. And that was that. Yeah. And and when was the last time you dialed your grandmother's number? Probably thirty years ago. Right. But you remember that number oh, yeah. because back when we were kids, you just remembered your number. I mean, first off, your family had one phone number. Now everyone <laughs> in the household has their own phone number. I don't know my kids' phone numbers, yeah. but here going with the ADHD, my kids know each other's numbers, my number, my wife's number. I mean, my son has a 40-digit password on his cell phone. Oh, I mean, a lot of it's patterns, but yeah. it is the numbers as well. And, yeah. it, and it's one of those things where, okay, if you have ADHD and you can't focus, how are you ever going to remember 40 digits? And yes, again, that can go subdivided into four groups or four patterns or whatever, but still, he's got to punch in 40 numbers to do it. Yeah. And so you could obviously focus with stuff like that. But yeah, it, yeah a lot of the... Uh, Everything being automated. I think that one might be you. <laughs> oh, so very sorry. No problem. Uh, yeah, with everything being automated, yeah, we do have that kind of... No? We have a We have a random alarm going off. What is happening right now? It's so it's funny because what we're talking about right now, my, I have alarms in my phone. You, you have multiple To phones. remind me to think. <laughs> It literally just reminded me to think about what I had to do this evening. That's so funny. There we go. See the, that? The, Without yeah. the phone, how would I ever yeah, know to think? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but, but with that said, I mean, I use reminders all the time. I mean, I, if I need, I need knocks for my arrows. I'm going to tell my phone, hey, phone, when I get to Hall's Arrow, remind me knocks. So in a week when I drive into that 
parking lot and it uses geo tracking, it pops up Knox. I was like, oh yeah, I need to pick up Knox. Yeah. I mean, so there's nothing wrong with needing the reminders. The trouble is when we get so used to having it and, and right. not not thinking on our own. I mean, one thing that drives me nuts with coaching the youth sports, U8, U10, U13, 7.30 in the morning on a Saturday, it's raining and my phone's already getting text messages. Hey coach, it's raining out. Do we have the game? I want to write back. First off, soccer's played in the rain. Number two, it's always more fun in white uniforms. And number three, our game is at 2.30 in the afternoon. It's 7.30. Can you at least <laughs> let me get out of bed before? But what I really want to do is go to these parents who, if their kids are my age, I'm going to assume they're, they're in their early to late 40s like myself. And I want to say, remember when you played Little League Baseball and your parents were given a piece of paper, they stuck it to the refrigerator with a magnet, and for the next 12 weeks, you just showed up without a phone call? Oh, yeah. Why can't we do that anymore? Because I, I, we're I, so... We're, we're, we're coddled. I mean, we're, we're, we're pampered, we're, we're taken care of, we expect everyone else to do the legwork for us. Well, I think it's the, uh, the great, powerful curse of technology. You know, I think it's great that everything is, is evolving, growing, and progressing, but again, back to the balance. Every single thing is balanced. There's, you know, they call it, uh, there's no gray area for bipolar people or ADHD, all this emotion regulation, right? That's why I love the DBT so much is because it's, it's countering all that. You know, if I don't believe that you need to be medicated, I believe, you know, DBT is so powerful if you really can commit to it. And my son recently, I think, you remember my post, he came to me and I said, randomly in the middle of the night, I think I need medicine. He hated medicine his whole life, so we never did it. Um, but he identified that he needed that extra help. So the deal was, you know, I was very proud of him, but if you take the medicine, you have to commit to DBT and learning the skills you need because it's not the answer. It's just fo slowing you down so you can focus and learn new ways, you know? One, one of the most flattering moments I had doing this podcast is I had Jennifer Corbin on now. I know her from a, a Cinemax After Dark, and for those of you old enough, you know what that is, the, the, the TV shows there. She's an actress. She's a redhead. I have a thing for redheads, and yes, my wife knows. And I, I've always been in touch with her uh, through Facebook. One time I just sent her a message, gave her a genuine compliment, and we've just kept in touch for like 10 years. So she's a model. She's been in Playboy. She's done all this, but she's also a paralegal, an interior designer, and a sexual assault advocate. So we had her on the show talking about the, being a sexual assault advocate and at one point I mentioned that I mean, asking for help is not a weakness and she replied we need more coaches and teachers like you and it, obviously to hear that from her is just very flattering but like you said yeah. your son came to you and asked for help where we talk about how guys don't show their emotions so you mentioned now when I gave you all the different topics I've gone over and you're like well what I want to talk about kind of touches on everything and this is where everything overlaps where we talk about how guys don't show their emotions. We always talk about the women's feelings. We don't talk about the guys' feelings. I have many very close female friends, you being one of them, who I've opened my heart to. And I have one male friend who I can talk to, and I, I mention and credit him all the time. It's my friend Aaron who does the intro to the show. He's, he's a DJ now, a drummer that I played with. Ooh, I need and, drummers. And he, he's an amazing <laughs> drummer. Um, but it, it's... For your son to be able to come to you and say, I need help, basically. I mean, of that's course. not how he said it, but it's for the guy who's supposed to be strong, who's supposed to be macho, 
we feel it's a weakness when we can't do it ourselves. Oh, and yeah. it's it's an enormous strength to be able to one recognize that you need help and then to ask for it. And that's what I was. Uh, that was what I was re- reflecting while you were saying that it was so monumental because he is just shut down and isolated from you know my marriage that that was so monumental for him and it was like I had just got home from work and I laid down so I was home for moments you know and he was just like hey so how long had he been pondering on it I don't know but it was like word vomit for him you know um you so you could tell he had to talk himself into doing it in the first place um and I thought that was great because that shows every last thing that I have been teaching him for DBT actually finally resonated for him you know and I don't know that he even understands that I don't think we talked about that part of it because it's not like it's not it's not that becoming I told you so you know and I wouldn't want to do that but um, it's just really nice to see it blossom that way it does work I raise my children that way I'm putting it into my programs and if we all can get on that movement I think we can get back to bringing our brains back to where they're supposed to be and being in control of our actions and our decisions I mean you, you mentioned what your son just went through Obviously, the the issues you went through with your back, your health, um, balance. I mean, you've had a couple life changes recently. Um, again, we use the quote-unquote near-death experience as, as that wake-up call, which you have had legitimate. I mean, you, you are authorized to use that one. You, you, you've been there. <laughs> see, I so, still won't. <laughs> yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, it's kind of like my father. You'll never see him as much as he's career military because he never actually was in combat you'll never see him but he doesn't flash the veteran hat or have the veteran oh, yeah. license plate he's very quiet about it and same thing you don't want to you don't want to say haha i mean give me credit i've been through right. this you, you're very humble with that um and to start closing the show i mean what would you say are like the keys to balance and I mean, what can people do to really look at their themselves or their lives as a whole and, and be able to see where they can make those adjustments and where Kind of going back to that quote, I mean, everyone has two lives and the second one will start when you realize you only have one. What what can people do to, to realize, wait a minute, I don't get a second shot at some of this. What can I change to give myself a better chance for success? I mean, another difficult question, but short and simple version of that is self-inventory. Constantly reevaluate and look at yourself. If you're not able to take some time to take a moment to reflect on who you are each time, you're, you're going to keep spinning your wheels and you're going to be complete opposite of what we're talking here in that balance. I think we grow, we change so much. No matter if you're a creature of habit and you're doing the same things, it, 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 just the, the progress of you as a human being is, is constantly moving. Time doesn't stop. You know, um, I, I, on the other side of that is, is I do have two lives and in order to understand which one is most important. So, you know, publicly and everything I do is my life it's my dream it's it's also my household and my family Um, but at the same time that interpersonal self-reflection that's actually my life whether it's man-made stuff it's my my humans that I've I've given birth to or the friends that I have I've grown to love or any of it it's not my life it's the dressings to my life your life is internal Right, so you have to live inside your head every single day. Nobody else can ever really understand that, you know. And I've spent all this time trying not to be the victim, all my life. I mean, that's been a power driven for me. However, the time that I really—it was a world in the universe just taking a monumental dump all over my life. I should have accepted that I was a victim, 
And being able to do that is really hard for someone like me and my children. And that's how we got through it is reflecting on the times that you can be the victim, the time that you're not and healing and moving forward from anything. But it's the self-reflection because that will change too. You know, this is my goal. This is what I'm doing. Well, maybe tomorrow it might be different. You know, oh, that, that's staying definitely, in that yeah, lane. That's definitely a good one. Like you said, constantly evaluate. It's kind of like when we're in a job every year, we get that review. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just got to do those reviews more often than every year. It's got to be, I mean, maybe not necessarily daily, but weekly or monthly. Yeah. I mean, look at ourselves and, and see where we stand and what we can make those adjustments. And yeah. making changes at any time, it doesn't mean you did it wrong previously. It just means... There's a way that might work better for you moving forward. I think uh, the inventory part of it, too, is the self-reflection is, 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 am I the person I want to be? Things like that, you know. So even broader than the details of, of, of those, you know, those inventories. You have to decide, or I mean the reflections, you have to decide, you know. Am I the man I say I am? Am I the woman I say I am? Am I practicing what I preach? You know, what's your virtue, you know, right. at the end of the day? What's your word mean to you? Huh. Well, I definitely love this conversation. This was a great time, and I thank you for coming. And Rita's based out of Connecticut. I'll have her links in the show notes, so if you want to look her up. Um, But thanks again for coming, and guys, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Shift Mindset Podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While the suggestions, strategies, and practices we have given have been proven successful for our personal use as well as clients we have worked with, these recommendations should not supersede instructions given by any licensed professionals, including but not limited to your primary care physician and mental health professional. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today for the PowerShift Mindset Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at The PowerShift Mindset, and also visit thepowershiftmindset.com. Thanks again for listening to The PowerShift Mindset.